Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What better way to kick off this hour than friend of the show from Business Insider, Dave Leventhal. Dave! Happy uh, Sunday. Thanks for taking time out of your holiday weekend to join me. Well, happy, happy Labor Day weekend to you and everyone else, and uh, a pleasure to be with you. Dave, I have to ask the obvious question. It seems to be, you know, um, I, I have to be honest, the last few days I haven't flipped to much cable news. I've been uh, either watching Virginia Tech lose um, or getting over Virginia Tech losing. So I've not been watching a lot of cable news. But, you know, when I'm at the gym this morning, all three networks right in front of me, and what are they talking about? Biden's speech on Thursday, Dave. So uh, the uh, the speech on Thursday, uh, what, what what did it involve and what's been the fallout from the speech? Well, what did it involve? It involved sort of this uh, kind of fascinating duality of what you could call it fascinating. You could call it lots of other things, too. But it was the speech that, on one hand, was uh, very much in the context of Joe Biden's role as President of the United States, Commander in Chief, uh, the the trappings of an official presidential address, as uh, we've seen many times throughout our lives. It was done uh, in Philadelphia, the Constitution of Fire, at uh, um, you know the birthplace of the Declaration of the Indepe- Declaration of Independence. It was something that clearly was uh, you know very very. Um, official. And the other side of that coin, Joe, was that it was totally a political speech and something that you would expect more uh, from a campaign as opposed to the president in his official role. So you don't see necessarily a lot of speeches like that, uh, kind of a side note uh, and a bit of a curiosity, but but notable nevertheless, is that none of the major networks carried it. So that this was truly a cable news phenomenon in the sense that ABC, NBC, and CBS, uh, they, they were running sitcoms and game shows and not this address where Fox News and MSNBC and CNN and the others were uh, very much focused on this. So, uh, and, and that really spoke to sort of the, uh, the political aspects of all of this uh, in the sense that Joe Biden was going straight after in a very, very uh, profound and direct way, Donald Trump and Donald Trump supporters. And because of that, uh, this has kind of been unlike any presidential speech we've really seen, uh, even from Donald Trump uh, in in many, many years, if uh, if ever in modern uh, presidential history. And then we heard, I believe last night, uh, the former president also spoke. So uh, both giving campaign speeches about two days apart. Without question, and also in Pennsylvania, and uh, really in Joe Biden's uh, old backyard of uh, the Scranton, Pennsylvania area, too. Uh, we, we didn't hear 
from Donald Trump anything necessarily new. He didn't make any official campaign announcements uh, along the lines of him running in 2024. He largely played uh, sort of the uh, the classic Donald Trump hits uh, in terms of railing against uh, his enemies and definitely talking up, pardon me, the uh, the virtues of what he sees is uh, his ideology made some very, very strong contrasts with uh, Joe Biden and Joe Biden's speech. And also, too, was there to uh, nominally support uh, some of the candidates who are running in the 2022 midterm elections, including uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz, who's running for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania in a race that is going to be critical to Republicans having a chance to win the Senate, which, as everyone knows, is divided as closely as we can get right now, truly 50-50, 50 Democratic votes, 50 Republican votes, with Kamala Harris, the vice president, providing that tiebreaker, and because of that, giving Democrats the most bare-bones majority that they can have. Dr. Oz is not doing very well right now, and John Fetterman, who's the Democrat who's running against him, he's up in the polls, and, and this is a state that Republicans think they can win, If you believe some of the numbers, they should be able to win, but it's not necessarily going in that direction, at least at this juncture, with about two months left to go before Election Day. And that's very concerning to Republicans, because if they lose that seat and they lose a couple of others, then game over. The Democrats are still going to retain the Senate for the second half of Joe Biden's first term. You know, that Pennsylvania election, Dave, is getting so much um, uh, so much focus. And now there is a debate about debates within those campaigns? There sure is. Uh, will there be a debate? Uh, if there is a debate, what, it's gonna, what is it going to look like? John Fetterman had a stroke several months back, and as a result of that, he's having difficulty uh, in certain situations uh, speaking as he once did. So it's, you know, sort of this uh, very novel and, uh, and curious situation in the context of politics or an election as to if he did stand for a debate, uh, would he be able to perform? If anyone has known somebody who's survived a stroke, uh, it can be months, uh, if, if ever, before they fully, uh, depending on the kind of stroke that it was, uh, it, it, to, to be able to return to the, the point in terms of speech or otherwise in, in being able to, to communicate uh, in that way. So voters are going to have to to be, uh, you know, very cognizant of this. It's something that has definitely affected John Fetterman's campaign. It's something that has changed the complexion of the entire campaign. And it uh, remains to be seen, Joe, as to whether he ultimately is going to agree, Fetterman, that is, to having a debate, uh, again, in a traditional sense where you would have a moderator and two candidates and free-flowing questions and the like. And Dave, before we move on, you, know, you mentioned how important that election is for Republicans in the Senate. There's also the important Georgia Senate election where uh, that race a little closer right now than the Pennsylvania, but could go either way. And, you know, as you said about Pennsylvania, both these seats are crucial if Republicans want to take over the Senate. Absolutely. And uh, that, that is another one where Republicans uh, see it as sort of a must win. Herschel Walker, the former NFL football player, is running there. And uh, he's running against a sitting senator and Raphael Warnock, who's a Democrat, 
who has had that seat for, for the past couple of years. And uh, very tight race. One could say at this point that it's a little bit tighter than the Pennsylvania race, uh, but one, two, where Herschel Walker has had some uh, major, major concerns uh, lobbed at him, uh, certainly from Democrats, and definitely, too, from some Republicans who feel as if he is uh, not the strongest candidate in the world. He has a, a very uh, kind of rough history uh, where you're seeing political ads left and right about this now, where uh, there have been incidences of uh, violence uh, with his ex-wife. Uh, this is something where, uh, you know, he said, hey, look, uh, I, I was going through some very difficult times. Uh, I had had uh, some mental illness issues. And as a result, I've gotten beyond that. Uh, don't judge me on that uh, as somebody who is struggling with that. But Democrats are basically saying, do you really want to elect somebody who has held a gun to his ex-wife's head in the U.S. Senate making decisions on behalf of millions of people? So, you know, that's that's the debate that's going on in this race right now. Definitely not a traditional campaign in that regard and a few others. Dave, uh, uh, something you guys at Business Insider have been doing is this continuous coverage of uh, con congressional members of Congress that have violated the Stock Act. Uh, you have an update on that story? Well, we do. I think the last time we talked to it, we were we were probably talking around 60 or so members of Congress who we and other media organizations have identified as violating this particular law, which Congress set up for itself about a decade ago. And it's an insider trading law that uh, basically is uh, trying to tamp down on lawmakers with their personal finances uh, acting on information that they get because of the fact that they are public officials. And there's a whole variety of different things that go into it, but the one aspect that they just can't seem to get right over and over again is the transparency aspect of this and being able to, uh, in, a, in a relatively short period of time, tell the world what they're doing with their personal money so that we can see Democrats, Republicans, all voters, all Americans, if their personal investments are conflicting with their official duties. For example, if they sit on, say, the House Armed Services Committee and they're buying a whole bunch of stock and defense contractors, well, that may be of interest to some Americans and some voters. And what we've found is that many, many members of Congress, dozens now, that number is now 71, is our latest report, uh, have violated the, uh, the disclosure aspect of uh, this law. And sometimes have been months or even years late in disclosing the fact that they have made some of these types of trades uh, that could potentially conflict with their official duties. So we have very systematically called out uh, every single lawmaker. And there have been, you know, we, we always like to talk about, oh, well, there's a false equivalency. And, you know, if you, if you tar Democrats, uh, well, you have to tar Republicans. No, well, if you're looking for something truly bipartisan, Joe, you have found it in this because we have found so many examples of both Democrats and Republicans either ignoring this law or otherwise violating it for one reason or another. And, uh, you know, the ultimate uh, loser in all this is the public, because, again, Congress set this up for themselves so that the public would have this information, but they haven't been playing by their own rules. Any um, movement to ban members of Congress from actively trading when they're in Congress? There is quite a bit of movement. Uh, glad you brought that up and something that I suspect we're going to hear a lot about when Congress comes back into session after this long weekend. Uh, there is a sort of this weird coalition of Democrats and Republicans, ranging from really, really liberal Democrats like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the House to very, very conservative Republicans in the Senate, like Josh Hawley, the senator from, uh, from Missouri, who have uh, effectively gotten 
right around the same place on this and saying lawmakers should be banned from trading, buying, selling individual stocks where those sales could uh, either on one hand be informed by information that uh, that they had gleaned as a result of being an elected official, uh, or on the other hand, uh, where they could make a trade and that could be a signal uh, for others to do something. I mean, there are Twitter accounts and TikTok accounts that actually um, play off of the trades that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband frequently makes. And he is somebody who has traded uh, tens and tens of millions of dollars worth of stocks and stock options uh, just over the past year. So uh, that that's really sort of the uh, extreme scenario where lawmakers themselves, their spouses, their dependent children, and potentially even their top staffers in Congress just simply wouldn't be able to trade individual stocks anymore. If they wanted to put their money into mutual funds or exchange traded funds or buy bonds, that would be fine. But they couldn't go out and you know, while they're voting on an energy bill, buy a whole bunch of stuff in Tesla or the local power company or something of that sort. That, that's what they're talking about. I, uh, I look forward to uh, continuing watching that, as you said, when Congress gets back. Now, Dave, you retweeted this, but I, I have to ask you, you know, we are in New York State. Um, former Governor Andrew Cuomo is buying advertising on social media. Yes, and uh, in essence, he's used well—not more than in essence—he is in reality using uh, old campaign funds to do this, and it's a very small purchase, a uh, few thousand dollars. But uh, nevertheless, he is uh, seemingly—I don't know if you want to call it—on the comeback trail or trying to uh, bolster his image or otherwise uh, signal that he may be back in politics at a level that he's not at now. But. Uh, in essence, uh, trying to say that, hey, I was uh, treated unfairly, and uh, that, that was the, the takeaway from those messages. So a small buy, probably very few people actually saw it. This was not something that was running on television statewide or that you're hearing on the radio. Uh, these are digital ads, but definitely curious and definitely an indicator that uh, he does have some cash in, <laughs> in his bank account for his old campaign. He can still use it. He can still draw from it. And if he ever wanted to get back into politics, that would be there at the ready at the state level for him to do, including running ads that aren't for any election purposes per se, but to uh, talk about either policies or talk about himself in this case. Dave, speaking of cash, you know, we had uh, a member of the Comptroller's office on air a few weeks ago uh, talking about, you know, uh, New York State residents go to this website and try to see if there's any of your money that the state is holding on to. And you sent me a story that the federal government is holding on to four hundred and twenty four million dollars of taxpayer money uh, that they're not going to spend or return. Uh, Explain that. (laughs) <laughs> well, well, to your first point, uh, that, that website that you mentioned, uh, that, that's a very good one, and everyone should probably go to it. I have gone to it myself in the past and have found money that, uh, for one reason or another, got stuck and is basically being held by the state. It's your money, and you can go get it back by filling out a quick form. So uh, you know, there's a, a website for every state, uh, including if you live outside of New York State for the state that you live in. So uh, kind of a good thing to know uh, to get your money back uh, that you may have lost and don't even know that you have uh, in the first place. But the second issue that you brought up is, yes, there is this fund. It's a presidential election campaign matching fund that you may remember from years and years and years ago when presidential candidates used to use it to fund their campaigns. But it more or less died out 
after the 2008 election cycle when Barack Obama decided to opt out of it because he felt like he could raise more money and not be subject to the limitations that come with tapping this public money. John McCain did use it, the Republican nominee that year, and he was the last major presidential candidate to do so. Well, where does this money come from? Well, it comes from that little $3 checkoff box that people still can check. And many people still do check on their tax returns. And uh, that $3 goes into this fund. And over the years, it adds up, particularly if nobody is using it. So this fund has grown and it has grown. It still grows by oftentimes millions of dollars every month. And now it's sitting at $424 million, Joe. And nobody's using this thing. Congress, number one, has not repurposed it for anything. They would have to vote and they would have to pass a bill to use it for something else, but they haven't. I've talked to many charities who said, oh man, we, we sure could use that money to do lots of good. There are some lobbies out there who would love to see that money return to the general fund of the U.S. Treasury. So it could, for example, pay down debt. And then there are other government advocates who say, well, we need to reform the whole campaign funding system and that money should stay put and we should reform the system. Although, Joe, as you might expect, there's very, very little appetite for doing that. So, uh, you know, taxpayers may like that money back, too. You know, it'd be great to get a refund, but you know, $424 million, to put it in perspective, would run the operations for, you know, a fairly decent-sized U.S. city for an entire year. That's money that could uh, really do lots of things. It could fund entire government agencies, uh, or taxpayers definitely could get uh, that money back, and that's more than a buck for every American uh, who lives in the United States. So it's uh, it's real money, even if we're oftentimes talking about government spending and government bills and the billions or trillions of dollars. Still some scratch. Dave, before I let you go, you you knew this question was coming. How do you feel about Thursday? (laughs) I feel great about Thursday. I I could not be more ready for the bill season to start. I went to the uh, first preseason game and uh, when they came back from 14 down and uh, and, and won on a field goal in the last play, of course, it's preseason, but man, did it get the juices going. And yeah, I think uh, everyone in Buffalo is just uh, ready for Thursday. Let's fast forward. You know, maybe not too fast to enjoy the long weekend, but uh, yeah, go Bills. I, I, uh, I'm hoping the Bills can hand Sean McVay his first week one loss as Rams coach. You and uh, about a million other people in the Western New York and Southern Ontario area. All right. And then the question I've asked every guest, I have to ask you before I let you go. You know, after this, I'm heading to Wingfest uh, to do some judging uh, at Wingfest. What, how do you like your chicken wings, Dave? When you, when you come home for a, for a visit, how do you like your chicken wings? Oh, I, I, I have always liked them hot and uh, just, just standard standard wing. I don't want any barbecue. I don't want any, you know, lemon, honey nonsense, just uh, straight up old, you know, standard chicken wing. Uh, and, you know, I've got my favorite places, too. Even everyone will uh, scoff and laugh. I, I do love Anchor Bar Wings. I, I find them to be great. But Bar Bill and uh, Gabriel's Gate, uh, th- those are right up there, too. You know, the standard chicken wing, I have asked Congressman Higgins, I asked Sheriff Felicetti, and you, all three of you said you like the standard wing with blue cheese. Well, I, I guess I'm in good company. All right, that, that sounds good. All right, Dave, um, now I, I have to ask you this, because this is just my curiosity. Is there a go-to place for you in Washington that has wings close? I'm not saying as, as good, but close to Buffalo uh, quality? <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta gotta hike out of DC proper. Uh, there there are very few places that that really do it right, but uh, there is a uh, a place called Jimmy's Old Town Tavern. 
uh, out in Virginia in the suburbs, uh, kind of near Dulles Airport, if you've ever been there. And uh, Jimmy is a Buffalo guy, and man, he, he makes some good food, and he, he makes maybe the best wings I've ever had anywhere within a hour drive. Although there is an anchor bar up in uh, way up in Maryland, almost on the Pennsylvania line, uh, that, uh, that they do have a franchise there, and I've, uh, I've I've been there once, and it's the real article. Dave Leventhal, always great talking with you, man. I hope you have a, a great holiday weekend. And again, I, I appreciate you taking some time out of your holiday to uh, join me. You and all the listeners as well. Thanks a lot. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 